So thank you very much, ladies um, and gentlemen, if we have any here for joining us. So good morning. Good morning. I'm Janine Gershon. And I'm Tawny English, and we are By the Numbers Lionesses. We are award-winning trusted advisors for accountants, attorneys, financial advisors, fiduciaries, trustees, and wealth managers. Welcome to our Women of Influences episode one. Where you're gonna learn how to slay your negotiations like you matter so that you can level up your business and your life. Did you know that 80% of winning a negotiation happens before you even walk into the room? How many of you would like to get what you want in negotiation? Me. How many of you would like to feel powerful, confident, and in control of the entire process? Me, me, me. So put on your seatbelts and get ready to learn how from our today's woman of influence, Ms. Rebecca Zong, a top 1% attorney. And just to tell you a little bit about this amazing woman, Rebecca Zung is one of the top 1% of attorneys in the nation, having been recognized by U.S. News and World Report as the best lawyer in America, as legal elite by Trend Magazine, and recognized by her peers in the judiciary as AV, preeminent rated in family law, the highest possible rating for an attorney by Martin Dale Hubble. She is the author of the best-selling books, Negotiate Like You Matter, The Surefire Method to Step Up and Win, and Breaking Free, a Step-by-Step -step Divorce Guide for Achieving Emotional, Physical, and Spiritual Freedom, and the brand new book, Negotiate Like You Matter, The Surefire Method to Step Up and Win, the forward by Robert Shapiro. She's a sought-after major media contributor. Perspectives, perspectives are in high demand by television and print outlets, and she's been featured on Extra, Forbes, Huffington Post, Newsweek, Time, Dr. Drew, NPR Talk Radio, Good Day New York, and CBS Los Angeles, among others. Now based in Los Angeles, she's continuing to serve through her YouTube channel, keynote speeches, media appearances, podcasts, articles, and on-demand programs, such as Slayer Negotiation with a Narcissist. And what I loved about what Robert Shapiro, the founder of LegalZoom and the renowned trial lawyer said about Rebecca is that they both share a vision to use their positions as lawyers to expand their reach to those who cannot necessarily afford to hire good counsel. And to, to quote him, he says that she is a conduit for people to gain access to knowledge, methods, and strategies, all of which transforms lives, and her information is worth its weight in gold. Whether you are a beginning negotiator or a seasoned one, she, Rebecca, provides specific tools so that you can avoid critical mistakes and ensure a winning outcome. Thank you so much, Rebecca, so much for agreeing to be on our show. We absolutely love you and your passion for helping people to negotiate so well that they actually incentivize the other side to settle and be happy about it. So thank you. Thank <laughs> and you. now for the presentation. Thank you guys. Thank you all so much for being here and thank you for having me and that amazing introduction. And uh, it's really, really uh, in incredible to see people from all over the country. And I'm looking at the chat and, and seeing people from Idaho and Texas and Virginia and, Tennessee and California, and it's pretty, pretty, that's pretty exciting. So, um, you know, what I want to talk about in, in negotiation and, and the reason why I called my book Negotiate Like You Matter, and matter, by the way, is the acronym for what we're going to be learning. Uh, it's actually the steps to negotiating. So each letter stands for a step. 
But, you know, the thing, the reason why I called the book Negotiate Like You Matter is because all human beings share that feeling. We all, no matter where we live, no matter what demographic or what, you know, gender or whatever we are, all human beings share the feeling that we want to feel seen, heard, and know that we matter. And that's what's actually going on in any negotiation is both sides are vying to know that they matter or vying to feel valued. And the reason why people don't like negotiating a lot of the times is because they they feel like there's going to be this outcome that's going to be reduced to a written agreement or whatever. and, And that outcome feels like a measurement of your value as a human being if you haven't felt the, the, done the work to make sure that you understand that there is a difference between internal value and external value. And we're going to get into all of that, but I just wanted to give you kind of that prefatory that the basic thing that we all need to understand when we're dealing in negotiating is that all human beings are vying to feel seen or vying to feel heard or vying to feel like they matter and that they are valued. And unless both sides walk, feel like they're getting value out of the, the negotiation, you're never going to be able to come to a deal. Uh, or, or it won't stick. That, those are the ones that end up coming unraveling, uh, especially if you're dealing with a high-conflict personality. And as um, Tanya or, or, or Janine mentioned uh, in my introduction, I have a whole course on, it's called Slay Your Negotiation with the Narcissist. So I really specialize on in how to negotiate with high-conflict personalities, uh, especially given my 20-something years now as a uh, high-net-worth family law attorney. So, um, um, Rebecca, just a question for you. Sure. Why narcissism? It seems like you have a slight little lean towards that subject matter. Well, because it's just, it's a pandemic right now. There's a global pandemic of either people who are, you know, even if they haven't been formally diagnosed as a narcissist, there are many, many, many people in the world that have narcissistic tendencies or narcissistic traits. And so then those are the people that are the hardest to negotiate with. I mean, you know, if you have two reasonable people who want to reach a conclusion and who want to, you know, in your situation, okay, I want to buy this house. I'm willing to pay a reasonable price for it. Okay, I want to sell my house. I understand I have to sell it for a reasonable price. You know, the market will dictate. You know, those are the deals that are pretty easy to do, right? I mean, it's the ones where you have the high conflict personality, the difficult people. Those are the ones that are very uh, stressful and, and put a lot of stress on you guys as realtors. You're right in the middle of that whole thing. Um, and I was telling Tani and Janine before I got on this call that my mom was a realtor. She was the second woman in the state of Virginia to get her uh, CRB wow. um, back in like 1972 or whatever it was. And um, I grew up in the business. She had her own company. And so I really understand 
the business and I, and the difficulties that you guys go through in, in trying to hold deals together and um, deal with people who are extremely difficult and demanding. So that's why my program is specifically slanted to negotiating with a narcissist. Um, I could even go into some statistics on narcissism. Uh, which are approximately 6% of the world's population has narcissistic personality disorder or narcissistic traits. And another 3.3% of the population is what they estimate lacks a conscience or empathy. And, you know, if you put those statistics together, it's somewhere around 700 million people on the planet that have, you know, either narcissistic uh, traits or narcissistic uh, or, or just lack simple, simply lacks a conscience or empathy. And so, and if each one of those people narcissistically abuses just five people in their lifetimes, you're now talking about, you know, like 3.4 billion people. So no one is immune uh, from dealing with these high conflict personalities. So I can get into what my, you know, SLAY is actually also an acronym, and I'm going to kind of touch on what that whole thing is um, at the end. Okay. But I'm going to just walk through the process of negotiating and how to get what you want um, from a negotiation. So I'm going to hopefully share my screen here and let's see. Okay, can you guys see my screen? Okay. Okay. But I'm going to just walk through the process of negotiating and how to. Okay. All right. So I'm just, hopefully, you guys are seeing my screen okay. I'm trying to like look in both places at once, but negotiate like you matter, the surefire method to step up. Sorry. I guess there's some sort of a delay with the um, Facebook Live or whatever, maybe. So, okay. So I'm going to go ahead and um, go through the program. So this is, um, these are some of the statistics around negotiating. Um, and, um, you know, most people avoid negotiating, like, and, and here are some of the reasons why people avoid negotiating, you know, 74% say it makes me nervous or anxious. Um, 67% says, I don't want to seem difficult. 51% says I'm afraid I won't get what I want. 48% says I, I don't know how to ask for more, but here's, what's really interesting to me is that Eight out of 10 employers say that they would be willing to negotiate salary with job applicants, but only 33% of applicants actually even try. So it's, it's pretty abysmal. Um, and, you know, if you look at, you know, the, the statistic right here in the middle, um, it, you know, only 7% of women have ever attempted to negotiate a job offer and 57% of men. So, you know, I guess when you put it together, it's like roughly a third. So it's pretty abysmal. Most people don't like to negotiate. Um, so that's why, you know, it's really important to, to learn how to do it. Um, okay. Okay. So what's really going on? Oops. There we go. 
So what's really going on is what I mentioned before, which is that every human being wants the same thing, and that's to feel seen, heard, and know that we matter. Um, so here's the strategy roadmap, and here's what I have. Um, and, and, and this is a, also in my book, by the way. Um, and I do have like a, a special on my book. I have a book bundle um, that I'm actually running on Facebook ads right now, which I can offer at the end here if people are interested. Um, okay. So strategy roadmap. Uh, so where are you going? Stage one, that's your vision. Stage two, which is at the bottom uh, there is what preparations do you need to get ready to go where you want to go? And then stage three is like, how are you going to get there? Okay. okay. So those are the three stages in the roadmap. So the six steps are matter, and it really starts with you. It starts on the inside with you. So you matter. That's your inner voice, that little inside person that sometimes is not very nice to ourselves. Uh, sometimes, you know, it can kind of be like an a-hole, uh, <laughs> you know, like, so, but that, you know, inside, Stage one is your inner mindset, your vision, and that's where you, we start with our letter M, and I'm going to go into what M stands for here shortly. Okay. Stage two is your outer pre-presentation layer, which is A, and I'm going to go into that. And then stage three is T-T-E-R. Um, so I just want you to see kind of what the whole process looks like. You really have to start with your inner self and then work your way out. So it's an inside out strategy. Okay. Okay, so you want to feel like a ninja and not like you're just <laughs> on the gerbil wheel. So I wanted to give you a little bit of history about me. I, I, as, uh, I, I don't know if Tawny mentioned or one of you guys mentioned in, the, um, in my presentation, but I got married at 19 the first time and I had my first baby at 20. Wow. Uh, my dad was a, a, an anesthesiologist. He's from China. My mom was German and she was a real estate broker. I, I, was, I went to private school. I graduated second in my class from high school, but I kind of derailed, got married at 19, had three kids by the time I was 23. And here I am with my three babies and that bad permed hair. <laughs> um, and that actually is me. And I look like the 15-year-old babysitter. And I, and I had dropped out of college and then I got divorced. And um, so I went from this to, uh, to this, where yeah. I've written these two best-selling books. As, as Chani mentioned, um, uh, Robert Shapiro wrote the foreword for the last one. It just came out a couple, maybe six months ago. And I've basically received every accolade an attorney could win. And I've been on pretty much every national show and every... I mean, both your books made number one on Amazon. I mean, yes. you're amazing. Yes. Thank you. And, and actually, Negotiate Like You Matter went to number one on Amazon on the first day that it was released yeah. in both Kindle and, um, and physical form. So uh, I went from this to this. And so I say, if I can do this, you can do it. Anybody can do it. Um, okay. So as I said, step one is M. And that means my value is defined by me. So 
you are setting your own mindset of personal value and then creating a clear vision. And this is the most vital piece. Most people focus on the actual um, transaction and they don't look at the the inner stuff, the, the stuff that's going on between your ears and in your head. And that is the most important piece. Um, you know, when you are navigating yourself. So what I want people to understand is that there's a huge difference between internal value and external value. Your internal value is, is, is infinite. I mean, you know, you think about the fact that there's 7 billion people on the planet and, and there's no other person exactly like you. And there never has been in the history of human beings and there never will be again, you know, you were meant to be here. You were, and, and just think about how many millions of sperm there were for, to fertilize that one. <laughs> egg. I mean, we are inherently valuable. Yes. We are as human beings. And, and so, you know, that, that can't be touched. That cannot be touched. And, and that is a different thing than your external value in the world, which, you know, if you are a software engineer in Pittsburgh, there is a certain value depending on what your education is or, you know, what kind of company you work for and how many years of experience you have and all of that. That is so different. Or in the real estate world, it's you know, how much is this house worth? You know, does it, how many bedrooms does it have? Does it have a pool? And what neighborhood is it in? All those things are very different than your value in as a human being. And we collapse those in negotiation all the time. In other words, we feel like if we fail, that means we are a failure. And I'm here to tell you that you need to separate out those two things. That makes a huge difference when you think about that. Okay. And how do you separate, how do you separate out those two things? Well, I'm going to tell you. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for asking. Um, okay. So, and that, so by establishing your value, both internally and externally, this is the foundation. Okay. Okay. So, um, M stands for my value is defined by me. Remember, you and you alone define your value and people will think what you tell them to think. I like that. Okay, so, and I see I have a typo on that slide. Sorry about that. But, uh, but you and you alone define your value and people will think what you tell them to think. And I'm going to tell you a little story about that. I actually had been practicing law for, I think, eight or nine years at one point, And then I decided to leave and become a financial advisor. So I went- Whoa, that's a switch. <laughs> I know. Well- uh, you know, I was enticed by the people at Morgan Stanley and they were like, oh, you'll have better hours and you'll have, you'll make just as much money or more. And, and I had a little child at the time. She's now just turned 18. But um, at the time she was young and I wanted to spend more time with her. So I spent a couple of years doing that. And then um, a friend of mine came along and she had a, a small family law practice in, uh, in Florida where I was living at the time. And um, she just basically said she wanted to move to Tampa and did I want to take over her clients? So she oh. had about a dozen clients. And so it was literally, she was dropping her law practice in my lap. And my husband was like, 
you know, nobody's going to be dropping law practices in your lap on a regular basis. If you want to start <laughs> practice, now is the time to do that. So I went ahead and did that. And at the time, I was like living in Naples, Florida, which has a population of about 500,000. And it's, so it's pretty okay. small and it's a very affluent community and everybody knows who the, the professionals are. So I had hired a business coach and she said to me, um, I, I said to her, oh my gosh, everybody's going to think I'm such a flake. Like this girl does not know what she wants. It was, it was, she's practicing law. Now she's a financial advisor. Now she's back to practicing law. And um, I remember her saying to me, people will think what you tell them to think. And I, I just looked at her and she said, you're going to tell them to think that you're the only family law attorney that has a financial background. So you're actually more qualified than any other finance or family law attorney in town. And so I actually I like started advertising myself that way. And I can't tell you how many people, even to this day, still hire me because I'm the only family law attorney that has a financial planning background. And so, but if I had told everybody, oh, I think that you're going to think I'm a flake, I'm bouncing around, people would have thought that, right? Right. And so it was such a good lesson for me because people will think what you tell them to think. And so if you don't take anything else from this, I want you to remember you and you alone define your value and people will think what you tell them to think. And I, and I like that because, you know, me and Janine, we come from an accounting background. So we're coming from accounting and into real estate. And I had the same thing where they're like, well, weren't you an accountant or a business manager? How are you doing real estate? And I'm like, it's an added, you know, value exactly. actually for us to have that background. Up. Right, Janine? Yes, definitely gives us a leg up. Exactly. But, you know, if you were telling people, oh, apologizing for yourself or, or saying, oh, you know, I did do that, but, you know, trying to defend it, that's what people would see. I mean, people really do think what you tell them to think. So it's really, really um, a powerful lesson. It was a powerful lesson for me. So stage two is create an action plan. Okay. So now um, you're going to analyze research, then create your arguments and your leverage. Okay. Okay. So, uh, and this, and this actually, ladies and men, we're on too. This also applies to when you're negotiation, negoti negotiating a raise or compensation or anything. Actually, anything, anything. Anything. I mean, in your divorce and, you know, uh, whatever you're doing. Partnerships, anything. commission splits. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So what you're going to do is you're going to research your own position first, because remember, we're going inside out. So now you've worked on the, the, the problem in between your head, right? And, and you know that you're valuable and, you know, you know that you, you alone define your value and you know that... Um, that people will think what you tell them to think, but now you have to start going, okay, now I understand that I'm internally inherently valuable. 
Now let me look at my external value in the world for whatever it is that I'm researching. So if it's a job, if it's a real estate deal, if it's a partnership split, whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. So you're going to research your own position first. And um, you're going to gather proof of what you're worth and why. Um, and, and how are you going to do this? Well, you're going to get, get on the internet or you're going to look yeah. at, uh, you know, whatever the, the, the market research shows for whatever it is that you're looking at. You know, in my world as a divorce attorney, it might be, do we need to get appraisals on homes? Do we need to hire a forensic accountant to find out what people's real incomes are? Do we need to um, get a custody evaluator to find out if there's a, somebody has a psychological problem or we need help with putting together a parenting plan? But, you know, in your world, it might be also getting several different appraisals and finding out what the value is of a particular home or doing your market value research or, right. um, you know, that kind of thing. But gather proof of what you're worth and why. And the, the thing is, when you are presenting yourself in any situation, you need to have as much supporting documentation and facts as much as possible. Just as I started off this presentation with you by giving you the real facts, by giving you actual statistics, right? And mm -hmm. actually also showing you where I came from and how I was able to, um, you know, get to where I am today. Uh, I, I showed you supporting documentation. That's what you all need to do too. You can't just say it, you know, right. Pretend like you're presenting something in court. You know, I've spent over 20 years as a trial lawyer. And uh, if I just went into the judge and said, because I said so, we wouldn't be getting very far, right? So you have to have as much supporting documentation as possible. Is it statistics? Is it a study? Is it research? It, you know, what is it that you're going to use to back up your position? And for um, us, we talk about listing presentations. <laughs> hundred percent. And, but it's not just listing, you know, when you go into a listing presentation, um, you know, not only should you have, you know, all of the information about what that property is worth, but all of the information about why, why you, what distinguishes you right. from all the other realtors in your area. And what why we should get 6%. <laughs> well, exactly, because, you yeah. know, they're going to start right away going, how about five? How about four? How about three? Right. Mm -hmm. right? I mean, yes. and, and you're going to, you need to show, well, because I'm going to send out these mailers and here's how much it costs me to do that. Or I'm going to put it in, advertise it in the LA Times or whatever it is that you guys do to market your listing. It costs you money before you even get paid to market that property. And so you want to show what you're going to be doing. I mean, people have this, um, you know, misguided thought about realtors that they don't do anything and they just get all this money. <laughs> no. they <don't, laughs> and they don't realize all of the time that you're putting into it. So when you go on a listing presentation, you should have charts, spreadsheets, pie chart, whatever it is you need to show the breakdown of the number of hours that you're going to be spending on marketing their property. And here's why I'm worth 
and, he, and here's some backup as to other properties I've sold and how quickly I sold them and what they, they were listed for and what I sold them for or whatever it is that you have backup to prove yourself, right? Right. So, you know, you want to sway them. Okay. Once you've done your side, now you need to research the other side next as if it is your own physician. So this is where people always forget, okay? They don't think about the fact that they need to research the other side as if it is their own physician. Right. Um, and as if, okay, I'm standing in their shoes. What arguments am I going to be making? And because... That will help you figure out what their pain points are, what their motivation is, and what's driving them. And it will also help you formulate your own arguments against whatever they're going to say. Because if you can figure out what their arguments are going to be, it is so much more powerful to say, um, uh, and I, I anticipate that you are going to say this, and here is my response. Or you may be thinking X. I knew you were going to say that, so here's what my, my response is. So before you're even getting them, giving them a chance to start formulating their arguments, you're already making them for them mm -hmm. and explaining why that argument it doesn't have merit. Okay, that's a and, super powerful. And it kind of also helps you come in more confident too, 100%. and you're not caught off guard. A hundred percent. People will think what you tell them to think, and you want to tell them you want to tell them that you're confident and that you know this stuff, that you're the best one, and um, that that that's why they need to be working with you. Okay. Okay. So next is create your leverage, and leverage is very very important, especially when dealing with narcissists or people with personality disorders or just people who are extremely difficult or people that you think that might be more powerful than you. Uh, a lot of times, you know, people will think, oh, this person is so powerful or they have so much money or they have so many connections or whatever. So you just think, oh, I, 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 how do I have leverage? How do I have anything? Well, leverage is whatever it is that is that person's weakness, meaning like what they want, you know, or, or what they don't want, what's really important to them. You know, maybe it's looking bad in front of certain people, or maybe it's, um, you know, not spending money, or maybe it's, you know, getting something that they want to have, but, you know, figuring out what motivates them that's their lever that's your leverage against them and then creating that leverage um, so that they are inherently squeezed and want to um, <laughs> deal with you okay okay very, very important and that I teach this all in my slayer negotiation program how to actually create leverage uh, and um, and I, I give like 30 different examples of what leverage is uh, very important once you've created your leverage, not to give it, away, give it away too early. Too early. Uh, and a lot of times people, they might have like a smoking gun, like that one text message that is like, oh, I got you. And it's so hard sometimes to like not go, what the <laughs> hell is this? You know, but you got to save it for when you really need it. When you're in that actual negotiation, you're sitting in that conference room or whatever it is. 
Okay, so next is assessing your risk. Is this going to be worth my money, my attention, my brain power, or my energy? And especially in real estate, a lot of times, you know, if you have a, somebody who's just like blowing up the deal and you're trying to keep it together or whatever, but the person is just being completely um, disrespectful or uh, it's just, you know, taking up all kinds of time that you're not spending with other clients who might be easier to sell to or whatever. Yep. It is just not worth it. Worth it. Nope. You know, I mean, I really had to make that choice in my law practice. You know, when I first started practicing, I would, I would take clients and, and if I found, found that they were difficult, I would be like, Oh, but they're paying me. And, and, and I just decided it wasn't worth my brain power. And I will tell you that, you know, the universe will continue to provide and to please think from a place of abundance and not a place of scarcity. If you're good at what you do, other clients will show up. The ones that you want will show up. Don't keep the ones that are being uh, abusive and disrespectful. It's not worth it. Let it definitely go. not. Definitely not. Let them go. Is it worth my money, my attention, my brain power, my energy? Is it, is it sucking my soul? If exactly. it is, goodbye. Not worth it. Life is too short. I agree. So, okay. So then you're going to determine what your best and worst case scenarios are, what your walk away or your choke point is going to be, and what your first offer is going to be. I like to do all of this ahead of time when you're not emotional. Because when you get in the heat of things, then you can start going, getting kind of emotional and you, you just kind of forget what you said your bottom line was going to be. Or, um, you know, you, you, you feel much more powerful if you walk in and you go, I know that this is my best case. This is my worst case. Here's where I'm going to walk away. And here's what my first offer is going to be. Okay? Okay. So stage three is actually presenting. Um, so your presentation is just a building block. So now you're going to follow the steps. This is where we look at what colors you're going to wear, what phrases you're going to use or not to use. Uh, in my book, I have all kinds, a whole section on embedded command and subliminal language and what body language and how to read body language. Um, you want to come across powerful, but humble, confident, but not arrogant, assertive, but not aggressive, and eminently likable. And it's so uh, overwhelming sometimes, but if you've done all your research and you've done the work inside your head, then you realize that it's actually not that hard. It's actually pretty easy. Um, so can you, so let's talk about the colors. Oh, I'm, I think I have something in here. Let me see if I do. Uh, let's see. I may have skipped ahead. Oh, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I know about the dress to the T. I apologize. I did skip ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so there's actually psychological data and research. There's entire books that have been written on um, how what you wear actually impacts your psyche. So you are way more confident uh, if you are wearing that dress or that suit that makes you feel like a million bucks, right? Right. If you're on the makeup, if you're, you know, if you're a person that wears makeup or, or, you know, if you're a man, you know, just do your hair right, put on that power suit, wear the red tie, whatever it is um, that makes you feel super powerful, okay? 
So, um, but, but is there like subliminal colors to yeah, wear for so a certain red is not the best. Let me see if I have, oh, so here's some, uh, body language, by the way, that can make okay. you feel powerful, uh, and appear powerful. So steepling is a super power, power move. Grabbing. Can you explain that? I'm sorry. Just go back. Can you explain that? Um, step, what steepling is? Yeah. So steepling is what the man is doing there in that top photo. Okay. Um, and you see presidents doing this kind of thing and politicians and um, the woman who's grabbing her chin right there is the former CEO of Pepsi company. Um, and um, draping your elbow. These are all power moves that make you appear more confident and powerful. Okay. Huh. Okay. Let me see if I have something in colors here. Uh, hold on. And because okay. I know you have it in your book. I do. But... So, okay. So I don't think I do. So let me just talk. I'll talk about colors here. Right yeah. Now. Um, so um, basically like red means like, uh, danger. Um, and, and so while a lot of people like to wear red to feel more powerful, red is also the color of blood, fire engines, stop signs. Favorite, um, that's my favorite color. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it, I mean, it can be kind of intimidating, but it's not a color of trust. Okay. Uh, so it's not the greatest if you're trying to get somebody to trust you. Um, I, it, it's good if you want to really intimidate a person, but not necessarily if you want them to trust you. So red is not the greatest. Um, black also is a color of power, but it's also the color of you know darkness and evil and Darth Vader and things. <laughs> it's not the greatest either. Um, Good colors are, um, blue is probably the best uh, as far as a color of trust. You see banks using blue in their logos. You see doctors wearing the blue with the scrubs. Um, you know, any kind of like a, a, a navy blue or, or royal blue or something, those are really good colors of trust. And so that's why I wore blue on the cover of my book, Negotiate Like You Matter. Um, so blue is probably one of the best colors. Green is also a great color. Now, not olive green or neon green, but just sort of more the regular greens uh, because it's associated with money, uh, the environment, eco-friendly, uh, re recycling. You know, it's a, a color of the planet. That's also a good color. What about pink? Christina wants to know about pink. <laughs> well, pink is, I think, is fine. Um, there's nothing wrong with pink, you know, you want to stay away from the ones that are more like bad, you know? So, um, I don't think there's any issue with pink. Uh, white is also good. Yellow can be good, but yellow can also be a coward color. So you want to be careful about yellow. Um, orange is a good color. That's a happy color. People like orange. Um, uh, I'm trying to remember, this is all off the top of my head. So um, purple is a good color too. Purple is a color of trust. You see a lot of um, uh, spiritual things using the color purple as well as 
priests and people like that often wear purple. So that prince, he was on to something. <laughs> well, that's Janine's favorite color is purple. So there you go, Janine. <laughs> there you go. So, so that's my off-the-cuff purple thing. So um, you want to have a potent presentation. You want to be in the driver's seat. Remember, the goal is always to demonstrate value because you want the other side to want to work with you. You want to show them because, you know, nobody wants the Kmart blue light special. You know, <laughs> nobody wants the clearance rack. They want somebody that, that demonstrates that they have value to them. They want to provide value if they feel like they're getting value in return, right? Right. So that's what you have to do. And so you, in order to get value, you have to give value first. Um, so one of the things that I often suggest is to do an offer with your ask. So I say on here, it's sort of a, what have you done for me lately sort of thing. So, um, you know, for example, if you're asking the phone company for a reduction in the price, you know, you might want to offer, well, I'd be willing to say that I'll stay on for another 12 months or something like that. And so, you know, people want to feel like they're getting something uh, when you're asking for something. Okay. Okay. So um, the next T is tackle heart issues second. Uh, ah, that's interesting because we've always been programmed to knock out the heart issues first. No, you want to build a rapport. And believe me, I've done the most high net worth, high conflict divorce cases on the planet. I've represented many, many people worth a hundred million or more. So I can tell you straight up, you want to build a rapport. So you, 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 you say, um, you know, here are the areas where we, we think we can agree. Um, I think we've already agreed that blah, blah, blah. I think we can agree that XYZ. Um, and because then you're starting to build this rapport. It's really important to build that rapport and start matching and mirroring. And I hear what you're saying and I understand. And it, I know it's important to you that. And, and, and so now you start to feel like, wow, we're really getting somewhere. So that by the time you get to the, the hardest issues, you've already covered all this ground and you've agreed on so much that at the end, people are like, oh, I don't want to blow up this whole deal over just this couple of things. So, you know, we'll just go ahead and you're going to be more willing to give in on the things that they may not have been willing to give in on in the first place. So... Okay. Um, you know, look at your phrasing. You don't want to come off as weak or apologetic. Women are so much worse than this, uh, I have to say, is, you know, you don't say, I'm sorry to ask this. You don't have to do this if you don't want to. Um, you know, we, we tend to kind of blow ourselves up before we even get there. <laughs> So you want to come across as powerful, you know, here's what I'm proposing and here's why, and here's how it's good for you. Um, you know, I mean, just like that, straight up. Um, like and, and, and don't be afraid to write out what you're going to say ahead of time. You know, practice out loud, say it to the mirror if you have to, fake it until you make it really is true when it comes to negotiating. It's not something that we're inherently good at. 
I am very good at it now because I've had to do it thousands of times. You know, when I first started at it, I did, I wasn't, you know, so the more you do it, the more natural it'll become to you and it'll just feel like a real conversation. E stands for keep your emotions in check. <laughs> yeah. It's way easier to do once you've done all that other stuff I just talked about. And this is why we say 80% of a negotiation is won before you walk into a room because you've done your research, you've done the work on your brain, you've, you've figured out what to wear, you've figured out what to say, you've figured out what your uh, best and worst case scenarios are, you've figured out your first offer. You've done all of that stuff before you even walked into the room, okay? And, and so it's just so much easier to just stay calm because you're not going to take things personally. You're going to expect and have anticipated what they've already are going to say. And you're going to know how to present yourself. So you will know that you're powerful. You'll know that you're confident and you will be less likely to take things personally and, and, and become overly upset. Um, you know, you, if you lose your temper, if you get angry, you know, a God forbid tears or anything like that, then you just, they know that they have you. They know that, that, that they're in control. They know you've lost it. And that is not a power place to be. So you're staying in a power place. You're staying on the offensive. You never want to feel like you're on the defensive. Always feeling like you are in the power position. Always be ready to walk away. If it's like, you know, nothing's worth, you know, not honestly. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, there is a big difference between how men and women negotiate, by the way, uh, yeah. just how our brains are wired up. Uh, men are actually much uh, better at keeping things in boxes inside their head. And so when they are dealing with the negotiation, that's all they're thinking about is that negotiation in front of their face. They're not thinking about how is this person feeling or how am I, it, it just doesn't, it's not there. And whereas women, you know, we tend to take things a lot more personally. Our, our emotions are wired to how we think. It's, it's, it's all cross-connected. So we do have to, work more hard at separating our emotions from right keep it in check otherwise the men the men will have the upper hand with that um you know there's a great story in um uh the book um oh what's it called lean in the book ah lean yeah in. yes yes yes, yes. So the woman who was the CEO of Facebook, Sheryl Sandberg, wrote that book. And um, she talks about how when she got the offer from Facebook to be the COO, she was just going to take it. And a friend of hers who didn't even know how much the deal was, didn't know what the offer was, said, um, why would you take less than any man? And she said why would you say that? Because he didn't know what her offer was. And he said, she said, oh no, he said to her, because no man would just take the first offer. So you need to go back with a, a, a counter response. 
So she goes back with a counter offer and she does it on a Friday. So she spends the entire weekend basically like sweating and vomiting and going, oh my God, I just blew this deal to be the CEO of Facebook. They're definitely not going to give this job to me, blah, blah, blah. By Monday, they came back and said, yes. Um, Whoa. Yeah. And it was a good lesson for her. It was a good lesson for her. So, um, and, and there's a whole study done on um, how women are perceived in negotiation. And there's a reason why we um, have more hesitancy to negotiate because we're afraid that we're going to look overly aggressive. You know, women are, are trained to be nice and, and not to ask for much and all that sort of thing. And I'm here to tell you just get rid of all of that. I mean, you know, you're going to be respected so much more if you just go for what it is that you're entitled to or what's fair and, and proving that up so much more respected and so much more liked, frankly. Um, but it's, you know, it's no fun to be liked if you, if somebody's taking advantage of you, then it's just That's so true. <laughs> so true. <laughs> resentment, honestly. So uh, while you're doing your presentation, you, this is where you're going to work in your leverage um, and being super strategic. Again, never give it away too early. Um, otherwise you're sunk. You will never be able to bring it up again. So uh, remember that this was an inside out strategy. Uh, the last piece is um, R, which is record, record all agreements in writing. Yes. And um, I would say, even if it's just an email follow up saying, just, we just had a conversation yep. and we talked about this and this is what we agreed to. Because honestly, it, 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 there's so many times that people misunderstand what's that going so on. That is so true. So even if it's not a formal memorialized writing with witnesses and notaries and all of that, even if it's just a follow-up email or a follow-up text saying, here's what we talked about and here's what we agreed to. Um, so that's um, negotiate your best life. And so let me just, um, I just want to show you all a little bit of my sleigh method, which is, this is a part of another presentation that I do specifically yes. for people dealing with narcissists, but these really important for people to understand that the sleigh method is developing that strong, strong strategy, developing your leverage, anticipating what the other side is going to do and then focusing on you and your case, which is what I talked about and negotiate like you matter. And I don't know if many of you guys are, um, oh, some of you guys are California Women's Council and um, our president, Eileen, um, she has go forth and slay. So that's one of the things I noticed when I um, read up on Rebecca and I love her slay. I mean, it's like, Mwah. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Yeah. So this is my, my program's actually called Slayer Negotiation with a Narcissist and so anyway, this is just the beginning. Oh, I do have um, a free Crush My Negotiation prep worksheet for anybody who's interested in downloading it. You can just go to winmynegotiation.com. It kind of walks you through all of the steps that I just went through, but it's a 15-page ebook, and that's totally free. Um, and I put it inside. So, lady, does anyone have any questions? And we will unmute you. Um, All right. Oh, and then this is uh, just on me. So, so is it Grace? Uh, you want to unmute yourself, Grace? Okay. Yes. 
Thank you so much. This was so great. I can't believe how many um, natural things I do um, with what you've said. Um, but anyway, um, I wanted to say real quick, if this is about getting a job for people, because you mentioned it, the, the best thing I ever learned, I've been hiring people since I was 24, and no one ever asks for the job at the end. Everyone waits for you to guide through, they ask for questions, they wait for you to guide it. You need to highlight your resume, what you wanna highlight. And then in the end, why do I need to hire you? You need to answer that question. And it's amazing still to this day, very few people do that. And when they do it, you wanna hire them because you're like, thank you so much for solving my problem. So I just wanted to drop that in there. Um, I have a, a negotiation right now. I'm working with four siblings, two, are interested in the moral obligation of my client and two are interested in um, helping my client get the house. You know, they're negotiating a buyout of a, of a house. And this one guy is not even a, a beneficiary. He's the wife, or the, I'm sorry, <laughs> he's the husband of the wife. I don't know why, that was a slip. But anyway, he's becoming, he's probably the narcissist that you reference. And I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to, I see the value of using, here's what I, understand you need and that kind of thing. I think I'm going to do that next time because we're just not getting anywhere with him. He keeps coming up with a new rule. He's in Florida. He's not in California. He doesn't know the parameters of the property. So I've gone through this week and gotten a few other people to look at it, but I don't want to give him those specific um, pictures. I just want to give him the details. Is that okay for me as part of leveraged? I don't want to give him up my printing, the print that I have. So when you're dealing with a narcissist or somebody who has narcissistic traits, they're going to constantly be moving the goalpost. So even if you do that, you know, probably by the next time, it's going to be something else. So um, that's where you, you need to actually have a, an overall strategy as to how you're going to kind of build a fence around this guy and squeeze him into signing something that you want. There's got to be an overall strategy. Um, the one-off little things are going to just, so just a little thing about narcissists um, or people with narcissistic personality disorder or, or narcissistic traits, uh, they need something uh, that we call narcissistic supply. And narcissistic supply is anything that feeds a narcissist's ego. So it could be, you know, the prestigious job or lots of money or, um, you know, the right wife or living in the right neighborhood or whatever. Uh, but it's also the, the, the dark underbelly of supply is that they get supply from controlling, degrading, debasing, devaluing people. And so by jerking people around, they get supply from that. They, they get off on that literally. Um, narcissistic supply is their oxygen. People who are narcissists have no inner sense of value, zero. And so they feel like they have to get all of their value by sucking it from the external world. So when you're dealing with somebody like that, the only way that you're going to get them to come to a deal is by cutting off their supply somehow, the, the supply that means the most to them, or just completely getting them out of the picture. Um, yeah, I, I think I'm going to talk only to his wife from now on and, and mentioned to her that I understand they're married and everything is, I respect what he's added to the qualifications, but we need to talk to you and your sister only. Correct. Because he's distracted. Yeah, so just keep cutting him out of the process would be 
um, the, the best thing that you could potentially do. And I, I, so yeah, winmynegotiation.com is where you can get the worksheet. There's more information if anybody's interested in my program at slayernegotiation.com um, or at my website. You can just go to my website. That's totally fine. Um, so yeah, I would you know either try to just get them out of the, the process completely or um, you got to figure out a way to um, surround him so that he's he's got nowhere else to go. Yeah. Well, whatever he's told her in the past, you know, he's raised enough issues. We've heard them all. We might as well just, you know, respect that they've been raised and cut him out. I think that's the only way where we can, you know, have the other you children have to have, yeah. raised, but get him out of the picture because he, he's obviously changing the goalposts just like Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what they do because they get supply from that. So... Um, yeah, clear. He just, yeah. he just came out here to visit with his brother. He could have raised all these comments to him directly, and he didn't. He waited until we had our conference call three days later. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, they're... Do we have anyone else who have any questions or comments? Um, Please just, unmute yourself. I'm going to just put my book bundle thing here. It, it, it actually includes the free worksheet, and then you just you can get my two book, the e-books at a much lower price than what's on... Amazon right now. It's just a special that I'm running for anybody who's interested. Well, thank you for doing that. Anybody else have questions? Let's see. Any other questions or comments? Uh, actually, I do. Oh, go yes, go ahead. Um, I am very much uh, in a very similar um, situation. Um, well, I have a seller, I have a client, and he has a legal advisor. So I have to present every uh, deal for review. And uh, uh, she makes a lot of mistakes. Um, and uh, I'm very uh, much likely trying to carefully um, introduce the right information without hurting her feelings. Uh, and I'm doing my best, but I think that it's a very similar situation for what you just described, because it's uh, getting a bit worse and worse. And um, um, I don't know how to deal with that. I don't know how to stop this supply. I'm trying to be nice and trying to be understanding. I'm trying to praise her, to lift up her spirits. Um, but uh, um, I, I don't want to show her you know the opposite now okay this is totally wrong i'm the right one i'm trying to introduce the information in a way to save her feelings in a gentle way <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah well you're not going to say you're totally wrong i mean but always presenting the facts and going back to you know taking it out of the personal piece of it and going back to the facts you know just as i have always done as a trial lawyer like you can't go in and say that other person is a narcissist because of course because the the judges are just going to go okay so neither of you can get along um so you you have to actually present evidence and um documentation and um yeah. So I, I would just go back to the basics of that and take it away from, you know, trying to appear nice or not nice or whatever, um, you know, uh, 
I had a guy one time who he was the number two guy for the largest development company in Florida. So they were responsible for building most of the residential communities in Florida. And he came in all like, I was so lucky that he was hiring me as, as his divorce attorney, lucky me. And so um, he said, uh, is there any room in your hourly rate and your retainer? Oh, yeah, yeah. And I said, nope. And so at the end, I will tell you that uh, we mediated his case. We got a really good result for him. And we were standing in the parking lot. It was like nine o'clock at night. And he referenced back that he had tried to uh, get me to reduce my hourly rate and my retainer. And he said, I'm glad that you didn't because I wouldn't have respected you as much and he said the second layer of that would have been that I would have thought that you were weak in negotiating on my behalf. Exactly. So it was a good lesson for me. I mean, I, I just said no, because I was like, listen, buddy, I got way more people who want me to hire them, who want to hire me than I have time for. So go find somebody else. I'd rather just be with somebody who wants to pay what I'm asking. And, and I honestly just was, that's all my thought was at the time. Like, I don't really care. You know, I'll make the same money from somebody else. Who well, appreciates uh, you and appreciates yeah. your value. And, and so he was like, okay, now I'll stick with you. So, and, and it worked, you know, and he respected me so much more. So it's really the opposite of what you think. You know, the, the whole trying to be nice thing is, it really doesn't pay off for anybody. Yeah. Definitely my client, uh, because I work with facts. So when I'm answering, I'm uh, pointing the facts and the numbers and uh, that are proving my point of view in a nice way, you know, representing towards everybody. Um, but uh, he sees that. And I think that uh, uh, that's an additional thing that she doesn't like. And uh, I don't know how to help her. Like, let's help our client instead of, uh, you know, sitting in opposite ends and trying to find the wrong in every deal, the minus, the thing, and to uh, praise how great we are. We are hired to do the job. We're not in a beauty contest. We are hired to be professionals. And uh, for me, psychologically, it's very difficult to um, help in this situation more than what I'm already doing. Uh, should I just ignore it and keep doing what I'm doing? And uh, Yeah, I think that if you do that, then it'll actually be, a, you know, just think about what is the position of strength here. And, and, you know, for all of the people on the call, just remember that, you know, sometimes you just need to stop trying to make not your people your people. You know, not everybody is your people. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Good luck with that. Yeah, good luck Thank with you. that. <laughs> Do we have anyone else? Lark or Peggy, Penny, Beverly, Stacy, Cassandra? Any questions or comments? Okay. Janine, do you have anything? Oh, Peggy, go for it. Go for it. So, what do you think about the idea 
in in her situation, for example, if this particular person is an attorney, correct? Yeah. Okay, so if they're not of contract, I would go back to the other example and say that if they are not a party to the transaction. In other words, if this is an attorney that they're simply getting, paying an hourly fee to give them an opinion about the moment, they aren't actually a party to the transaction. And therefore, from your standpoint as a professional, I should think you could go back. Rebecca, you're an attorney, so tell me what you think about in that, because I do have those situations come up. As a matter of fact, I have one right now where a client who is my client went and got advice from an attorney on a single document. And it's not part of our transaction, it's part of another one. But when she told me this, and I said to her, well, did you tell the attorney this, 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 and this, all these other pertinent facts? And she said, no. So I said, so this attorney is not of contract. He is just someone that you got advice on one document. And he fulfilled his obligation and that's it. So why well, would Sometimes I think that the people try to hide behind attorneys, you know, like, yeah. oh, the attorney said this or the attorney said that or whatever. Just, you know, I would straight up say, who's making the decision here? Who do I need to be talking to? Yeah. And that's what Lark said, too, that maybe getting the attorney and the client, everybody on and yourself all on one conference call can help clear things up. Or that's how you can also call the bluff of your client. If they're pulling, hiding behind the attorney, it's like, let's, let's, let's help make sure the attorney has all the facts so that you are really getting the true advice you need. <laughs> Well, I mean, I would just say, I, listen, I don't have time to be running this past like several different people and getting all these different opinions or whatever. You know, who should I be talking to? Who's making the decision here? And, you know, if you want to go back and talk to your attorney after you've spoken to me, fine. But I'm not going to sit here and talk to you and then your attorney and blah, blah, blah. I mean, you know, I want to just talk to whoever it is that's making the decision here. Yeah. And, and from our standpoint, we are not attorneys. No. We are only permitted to fill out in a promobligated form. So for mitigating risk as a realtor, I would want to say that I would not be dealing with anyone outside of the contract. If that is what you want to do, your relationship with that attorney is your relationship with that attorney. But in the contract, he is not of transaction. And unfortunately for my benefit or for my situation, I, I really cannot divulge things about the contract with him and have con or her and have conversations with them because they are not uh, in the transaction. And I'm just a realtor. I'm not an attorney. So therefore, I would say to you that I will leave the discussions between you and them. Well, but by saying who's the decision maker here, you're also sort of calling them out on the fact that they may be hiding behind the attorney. And you're also sort of like trying to make them, a, because you're, you're sort of almost challenging that, that they are not appearing strong, right? And so you're saying, who's making the decision here? Is it your attorney? Because I'll talk to the attorney then. Because then they're going to get defensive and go, oh no, it's me. I'm mm -hmm. making the decision. You know, and that that will help a kind of move perspective too. Yeah. 
Okay, so Lark has a question for you, Rebecca. She wants to know, what is your new market in California in the event we have referrals for you? Are you taking on referrals for divorce clients, anything like that? No, I mean, I do some, I, I still have a few clients in Florida. I only keep like three to five cases now. I merged my practice three years ago with two other guys who are fantastic. I, I still uh, receive a ton of business. So they probably have 40 of my cases. I only carry like three to five at a time. Um, but basically I'm only doing negotiation consults now. I do some one-on-one -on -one consultations, which you can sign up for through my website. And I, and I do webinars and sell my programs on Slayer Negotiation with the Narcissist, which just rolled out in March. And I've already sold hundreds of them, literally hundreds to all over the world. Um, you know, people in Australia and UK and uh, Sweden and India and it, crazy countries that I would never have thought. I mean, people are having problems negotiating with high conflict personalities all over the world. So that is basically what I'm doing or, or talks like these. Um, and that takes up quite a lot of my time. I have a YouTube channel, which everybody should subscribe to, by the way, um, is go check out. It's just youtube.com forward slash Rebecca Zung. Um, my YouTube channel is growing by about 10,000 a month um, as far as subscribers. I just started, I, I hit 1,000 subscribers on March 3rd. I just went Congratulations. Over, I went over 30,000 a couple days ago. So it's going really fast. So I do that and I have a podcast on negotiation, which you guys can check out as well. And, and that basically takes up most of my time. Lark, are you able to unmute yourself? Okay, so the question she has for you, Rebecca, is that she's on the west side and she has a high net worth client and she specializes in divorce real estate. Uh, well, I yeah, so people can definitely come to my webinars, get my materials, the free crush my negotiation worksheet, um, my books, um, you know, watch my YouTube channel. Uh, all those kinds of things. Those are the best ways. Or, or I do do some one-on-one -on -one consultations for people who are looking for direction on, on um, any kind of negotiation, frankly. I've, I've done, you know, business partners who are breaking up. I've done all kinds of things. Yeah, for, that's like a marriage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. First strategy for one-on-one cons uh, -on -one consults. Okay. Well, she says that she, she definitely wants to refer her clients to Thank the best. You. Thank you. <laughs> so she's going to just refer so them to the sites. Thank you. Very uh, do we have any other questions? And please unmute yourself if you do have any questions or comments. Because otherwise, we are at 11.15. And we they definitely appreciate you, Rebecca. Thank you. Definitely Thank you, appreciate you. That was so informative. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate all of you. We really in, enjoyed the presentation. Thank you. Definitely. Okay, ladies. Well, you guys have an awesome, awesome week and nice day. <laughs> all right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye, -bye. Bye. Bye.